0: Welcome to Simply PM&R, a Mayo Clinic Talks production. The simple solution for PM&R healthcare professionals who want to keep up while on the go. I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Bro, physiatrist in physical medicine and rehabilitation at Mayo Clinic. Regenerative medicine has been, to say the least, exploding within the field of physiatry. Though the, a relatively new and dynamic area of practice, Little is known about the efficacy and the outcomes associated with regenerative medicine techniques. Today, we're joined by Dr. Jake Sellen, a colleague at Mayo Clinic, physiatrist in sports medicine, and a consultant in the Regenerative Medicine Clinic to help answer some of these questions. Thanks for joining us today, Jake. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to be here. So what are some different types of regenerative medicine techniques?
1: Well. Probably the most common technique is platelet-rich plasma. And that certainly has been the best studied of the uh, procedures out there. It's been used for osteoarthritis, tendinopathy, uh, probably for tendinopathy, at least for the last uh, 10, 15 years or so, and more recently osteoarthritis. But that's kind of our tried-and-true regenerative medicine uh, injection there are quite a few others. Uh, some of the others that maybe are more common bone marrow aspirate concentrate, uh, more recently there have been, uh, increasing use of placental products, uh, and then, uh, also more recently microfragmented fat. Um, so lots of things out there that's maybe just a smattering, but the ones that have the most evidence PRP, uh, BMAC. I should also mention prolotherapy. That was probably, that's been used for many, many years. And some people would consider that regenerative medicine as well. Uh, and just starting to see some good studies uh, in the last few years on prolotherapy.
0: So the BMAC, this um, amniotic, are uh, stem cells? Yeah,
1: that's, that's a great question. So uh, these, I like to think of them as, you know, what they are. So BMAC, I consider a, it's a concentrated bone marrow injection. Yes, it contains some cells that some people would consider stem cells, although that in and of itself is controversial, but what these are not, they are not purified stem cell injections. So I actually don't like to use that term with my patients because they have this, uh, impression that they're receiving, uh, you know, a purified stem cell injection and when in fact that's it's not really what they are.
0: What type of uh, musculoskeletal conditions can we treat with regenerative medicine?
1: Well, we ha- probably have the best evidence uh, for osteoarthritis and tendinopathy. Osteoarthritis, uh, probably we have the best evidence in the knee at this point, but also some good studies for hip osteoarthritis, ankle osteoarthritis, and as far as tendinopathy goes, most of the studies have been done for tennis elbow, uh, whereas we also have uh, some studies for rotator cuff tendinopathy, gluteal tendinopathy, proximal hamstring tendinopathy, achilles tendinopathy, patellar tendinopathy. So really we there's and most of these have been done using platelet-rich plasma, uh, but wide variety of uh of tendinopathies and osteoarthritis. Beyond that, I think the indications drop off very quickly. So people have used them for acute muscle injuries and you know, ligament injuries. And while we have a little bit of evidence for certain areas of the body, most of the evidence at this point suggests it might be helpful for osteoarthritis and tendinopathy.
0: Okay. Walk me through a PRP injection. The patient comes into the room. What, what do they expect?
1: Well, it's it's a fairly simple procedure. We start with a blood draw, which oftentimes is the most difficult part because we have, have to take a f- fair amount of blood. Uh, depends on the specific kit that you're using, but that might range anywhere from 15 cc's of blood to upwards of 160 or so. So if you're obviously trying to harvest more blood and you have a patient that has... Very small veins, or you know, that can be a, a one of the more difficult parts of the procedure. But fortunately, we have ultrasound to help in those situations where uh, it might be more difficult to access uh, blood for the procedure. Once we have that, then we centrifuge the blood in a, a specific centrifuge. Now there are multiple types of proprietary kits that are out on the market for making PRP and you know, they all have their own special way of doing it. And that results in a very specific type of PRP product. And one of the difficulties in the field right now is the heterogeneity within, uh, you know, PRP is not PRP, you know, (laughs) not the same PRP depending on the type of kit, depending on the patient, uh, and so on. So it's not like drawing up something out of a vial where you have a very controlled quantity of what you're doing. Um, so in any case, we make the PRP with the centrifuge that may take anywhere from five minutes to half hour, depending on the type of, uh, of uh, kit that you have. And then the rest of it is really just like any other injection we would do. So um, if it's a joint, it's a simple joint injection. We often do those under ultrasound guidance to ensure accuracy. If it's a tendon procedure, it's usually, it's a little more involved. We will often do that in conjunction with what's called a needle tenotomy, where, where we are s- trying to stimulate an, a controlled injury in the tendon to sort of restart the healing process and then injecting the P- PRP in the tendon as we do it.
0: Are you a physiatrist preparing for your upcoming PMNR Part Two oral boards? Do you need to brush up on your examination skills? Through a combination of didactic lecture, case vignettes, optional mock oral examinations, and online modules, the PMNR Board Review Course can help guide your preparation. This vital course will be held on the historic Mayo Clinic campus in downtown Rochester, Minnesota every spring, just prior to the American Board of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation Oral Examinations. For complete course information, and to receive an email when registration is open, visit cemailedu slash PMR. So how much blood are you taking out and how much PRP are you getting?
1: Well, the like I said, we might take upwards of 160 cc's of blood, which is about a third of a blood donation. Mm-hmm. And it often will be processed down to around five cc's of PRP. Now That can be diluted with platelet-poor plasma if you are injecting multiple joints or needs, for some reason need more volume. Uh, but it's, uh, it makes a pretty concentrated uh, plasma. Usually uh, we do quality control on all of our samples, and the number of platelets is typically anywhere from five to 20 times the concentration of platelets
0: in whole blood. So after you do an injection, let's say you do a PRP injection into someone's knee, what do you counsel, How do you counsel them? What's going to happen after that? What they can and cannot do? What the medications they can and cannot take? Sure,
1: those things are you know not very well defined on the, uh, the with the current literature that we have. So a lot of it is based on kind of expert opinion and common sense. Most uh, clinicians that are doing this feel that it's uh, they probably want to avoid. Medications that might have an effect on platelet function. So a lot of times we're advising patients not to use uh, NSAIDs for potentially a week before, or a week or two after the procedure. In the case of uh, treated a tendonopathy, where we are actually trying to get healing of the tissue, you know, you may advise the patient not to use NSAIDs for several weeks or maybe even several months. As far as activity goes, if it's a joint injection where really the focus is more on having an anti-inflammatory effect and a pain-relieving effect, we usually don't have any uh, really strict guidelines for activity. You might have them take it easy for a few days, just weight-bearing normally, uh, and then over the week or two after the procedure, ramping up to their normal activity levels. Whereas if it's a tendon procedure, we're actually doing, say, a needle tenotomy with it we're actually creating a new injury in the tendon. We really want to capitalize on that; those three phases of healing. So we've got that acute inflammatory phase where we want to rest the tissue for potentially a week or two. A lot of times we'll have patients on crutches, and then we'll get them into physical therapy to progressively load the tissue just uh, just like we would with any other acute soft tissue injury. And that process might take... Three months uh, before patients may see the uh, full benefits of the procedure, so it's a little different for tendons versus joints,
0: and it's a lot different from like a typical steroid injection where people usually feel better right away.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's that's one of the biggest things that I emphasize with patients right up front because you know people look at these treatments, they you know they read these stories about them on the internet and they, they think they're going to walk in and, you know, walk out with pain-free and have some kind of miracle. But, uh, one of the downsides of these treatments is they don't work quickly like cortic steroids. So if you're in a situation where somebody is, you know, has a race or something they want to be ready for in like a week or two, uh, you know, PRP is probably not the right option. You know, they're a lot of times going to take several months to have their full effect.
0: Now I liked your explanation about stem cells. You know, a lot of patients, why we're counseling them I and I'm talking about injections I mentioned, stem cells. But they're what they're hearing is that you're gonna rejuvenate all of the cartilage in my knee with this injection. But that's not what I'm hearing from you.
1: That's right. That's <laughs> not what we're doing. Uh, and there there's a lot of misinformation about that right now. So, you know, essentially what you're talking about is a cure for osteoarthritis, which is, you know, as you know, that's the <laughs> holy grail in musculoskeletal medicine. And we and that's not a reality right now. There are lots of people um, doing great work, you know, trying to get to that point, and that's obviously one of the main goals of regenerative medicine is to be able to regenerate cartilage. We get these patients that come in with uh, significant cartilage uh, degradation, bone on bone, osteoarthritis. They're not. We don't have anything that uh, we can inject in their knee at this point that that we can guarantee they're going to have any significant cartilage regrowth. However the way I like to explain it to patients is, you know, they all of a sudden become symptomatic with their osteoarthritis, but their osteoarthritis didn't happen suddenly. Mm -hmm. They, you know, if you looked at, maybe they became symptomatic two weeks ago, but if you looked at them three weeks ago, the x-rays probably didn't look any different. So what we want to do is try to get them, take them back to where they were three weeks ago. So we don't have to change the structure to do that. There's, there's other factors involved with the symptoms you know, namely, uh, you know, anti or I'm sorry, pro-inflammatory type factors in the joint, things that are, uh, you know, pain-causing uh, um, molecules and uh, things that uh, that we can potentially treat with these injections. That you know, we think these injections have an anti-inflammatory effect as their primary mechanism of action, and so by um, doing that, we can maybe get the joint into more of a normal environment Mm -hmm. and, uh, and maybe get them back to, to that level of, uh, you know, not having symptoms, even though structurally things may not look much different. Excellent.
0: You walked us through a PRP injection. Tell me how that differs from a BMAC uh, technique.
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually very similar. Um, the, you know, BMAC is something, you know, people, Initially, with PRP, of course, you're taking blood and you are taking a, a part of the blood, the platelets, some of the white blood cells, typically getting rid of the red blood cells. With BMAC, we're starting with bone marrow. And the reason we're doing that is bone marrow contains these other cells, these different populations of, you know, people, some people call them progenitor cells, or they're cells that may have the potential to differentiate into to, um, different types of musculoskeletal, um, sorts of cells like chondrocytes. They also have other functions though, that we think are probably, um, more in line with what they're actually doing. And they, they, some people refer to these, not as mesenchymal stem cells, but as, uh, medicinal signaling cells. That's kind of hmm. one of the, the new terms because we know that they do a lot of signaling of, of cells in the area. So for example, they might be recruiting, they might have the ability to recruit stem cells that already live in your joint. They might have the ability to, um, to make those cells more resilient, uh, to help them have more of, of, uh, of a, of protective effect against, uh, you know, some of the things, the, Uh, chemicals that break down cartilage. And so, um, so, you know, at this point, that's our best understanding of the difference between BMAC and PRP with PRP, the platelets are just really packets of growth factors. You know, they, they dump their growth factors on contact with damaged cartilage and those growth factors initiate this anti-inflammatory process. Whereas, With BMAC, we're actually injecting cells that maybe can have a more sophisticated response to the environment. So, you know, theoretically, they can potentially detect what sorts of inflammatory chemicals are in the environment and maybe counteract those in a more sophisticated way than what platelets do. So it's a a lot of theory right now. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have good clinical studies to compare BMAC and PRP directly. So at this point, the reason why patients would opt for BMAC for the most part is because they like the idea of having an uh, injection that contains some, you know, quote, stem cells. Um, there is a bit of data out there showing that BMAC, pa- that patients receiving BMAC, uh, their patients that have worse levels of osteoarthritis might do better than than patients with advanced arthritis getting PRP, but those are not done in the same study. So we really can't compare apples to apples at this point. Uh, PRP in general, most of the studies where it's been successful has been more mild to moderate osteoarthritis.
0: Okay. Those are the folks that benefit from it. You also mentioned fat adipose.
1: Yeah. So a lot of people are excited about using adipose. And I think this, um, this started with the idea that if you look at bone marrow versus adipose, You've got a lot more of these, you know, stem cells or medicinal signaling cells, whatever you want to call them, uh, in fat versus a similar amount of bone marrow. So, okay, now we have more of these cells. Um, you know, on the contrary, you know, there have been some other data that have shown that maybe the these uh, cells that are in BMAC have a, more of a likelihood of turning into the sort of cells that, that you know, we want than, than fat. Um, so you've got proponents of each. You certainly have more data for BMAC or bone marrow uh, at this point, but there are some uh, studies emerging for fat. Now, one thing to understand about fat or adipose derived injections is that we're really limited right now on what the FDA is okay with, uh, with us doing. So, uh, at this point, we can mechanically break down the fat, and there are a few um, kits out there that will allow us to do that. We mm-hmm. uh, can what's called microfragment the fat and inject them, but we can't actually chemically remove the stem cells uh, from the fat, which is another technique that right now is, uh, is is not compliant with FDA guidelines. Do insurances pay for this?
0: Do they pay for regenerative techniques?
1: Typically, no, in my experience, but there are a few that do, and this is something that changes, uh, seems like it's changing all the time, but most of them do not. The ones that I have seen, um, I've seen some folks get coverage for knee osteoarthritis and for tennis elbow. Those, uh, There's more data for those uh, than anything else, and it's typically been for PRP, where where we do have a fair number of studies. I um, haven't really seen much coverage for other, other types of uh, techniques at this point.
0: We've been talking about regenerative medicine with Dr. Jake Sellen, a colleague at Mayo Clinic and a consultant in our regenerative medicine clinic. Thanks for your time, Jake. Thanks so much, Jeff. This was fun. Today's episode was sponsored by Mayo Clinic Online CME, offering on-demand medical education in a wide variety of specialties. This includes the Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation online board review course. Enter your boards with confidence, whether it's your first time through or for recertification. Learn on your own time and earn credit. Register today at ce.mayo.edu slash PMRBR online.